Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at BowlingThisMonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today on the Above180.com podcast is Bill Hall. Bill is a silver certified USBC coach. You can check him out at BillHallBowling.com. Bill worked for the PBA Tour back in the 80s all the way through 1998. Bill coached internationally for 12 years. He now lives in Vegas. You can check him out there at his pro shop at uh, Texas Station. So check him out there. And Bill also introduced a, something that I'm going to say I'm very proud to still be using, the tri-grip drilling method. So, Bill, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us today on the Above180.com podcast. Well, thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a while, and let's see where we go from here. All right, Bill. Well, I thought first place we should re- begin. There's a lot of big news last week with Motive. So talk about that news, and really, what is that all about to the average bowler? Well, I mean, here's my problem with it. Obviously, USBC says that anything over a .060 differential is an advantage to bowlers or an advantage to scoring. So they have their standards set for manufacturing, but I don't quite get it. The reason being is, yeah, we should have some limitations, but I can take an extra hole, put it in a ball, drill it in a certain spot, fill it with just pure plug because I can't replace the densities that I'm taking out of the core, and I can make a ball that's .058 and make it above the number and bring it beyond. So I think USBC may want to start looking at a rule is, you know, yeah, we can have certain flares, but even drilling patterns cannot make it go over a certain differential. Right now, there's so many ways around, around the rule, it's just insane. So it's really not what I would call well-constructed. So what does that mean to me as I'm, I'm heading out there on the lanes and I see someone that may have been throwing this ball unknowingly, throwing one of those, uh, either the jackal or the jackal carnage that was above this level. Is it going to give them that big of an advantage? 
if it's unknowing or, if, I mean, right? Because is there a way that, the, I mean, you're not going to be able I mean, as a pro shop operator, you get these balls in. Are you going to do the density test to make sure that they're set above that differential? And then are you going to even know it? And then if you do know it, I guess the other question would be, could you use that to an advantage for any player or for some of the players that you may drill for? Well, first, you're not going to be able to know unless you have what they call a terminator in your pro shop. And even those aren't what I would call overly accurate. I mean, they'll give you a rough estimate. But here's the deal. We keep talking about cores, differentials, cores, differentials, uh, radius of gyrations, uh, the different densities we can put in there. When the number one factor for a bowling ball, obviously, is ball surface. And put it this way. You say that, or there's a limit on what my coefficient of friction can be, or my hardness can be. But there's no rule that says I can't modify that to be way beyond the limits. Example, let's say I took a brand X and wiped it down with acetone. How would you ever know? You would never, ever know because nobody I know right now, organization or otherwise, actually tests the hardness of the bowling balls in competition anymore. Not that I'm aware of. PBA, to my knowledge, does not. USB-C does not. So I can easily bypass that rule. If I didn't do it through chemical manipulation, I could do it another way. I could put a bowling ball in a ball spinner, take a rasp file to it, and file it down. And according to the rule, because I recently looked it up, because of all that's going on, as long as it's uniform, it's within legality. So I can basically take that thing out to the parking lot. And as long as I throw it in the parking lot and get it chewed up in every single part of the ball uniform, and it, believe me, as you start creating these craters on the surface by throwing it in a parking lot, it's going to create more friction. So, I mean, where do we go? I think we are stuck in limbo right now. And if we're going to aim at something, we're going to bring back the integrity of the sports side of bowling. Let's face it, we've lost that. And right now, it's even made the recreational side of bowling look ridiculous because there's just so many things that can happen. Until we get to where we really lock down some rules, even on hardness of a, of a bowling ball, there's really no way to say, okay, here's the durometer, here's the material that I have to use to uh, calibrate my durometer. I mean, there's so many ways around the rules right now, and I, not that I would do them, but I do know people that would. Well, and Bill, so let's say this. So I guess my second question was, I come into your shop there at Texas Station, I say, drill me up a jackal, and we don't know that it's set up this way, but would there be any difference to having that, that differential be above that .061, you know, that .0616 that, that they had some of those balls that went in, you know, that came out that were tested? Would, would I see any difference on the lanes, whether it be carry or even just motion down lane? Uh, not unless you bowl in a perfect world, and I don't know any perfect world that exists. I don't even know of a, a flat lane that exists. So it's an arbitrary number that was set. Was there a mistake made in manufacturing? Absolutely. Somewhere, some there, but there's recalls on everything. I don't care whether it's a car, whether it's salad. I mean, things happen in manufacturing. That's just going to happen. But, you, you know, you're never going to notice, especially in the scoring environment, it's not going to do that much. It's not going to do any advantage for you in that direction. 
So, Bill, I guess if you were the head of motive, what would you say or would you be coming out or how would you handle this? Or, or even, frankly, how are you handling it with some of your customers there if you have any that have motive and have purchased these uh, pieces? Well, we do have a few that have purchased them. And what we've done is we said, look, you know, we're not going to charge you for the drilling. We'll charge you basically for just for our material or cost, meaning the grips or the slugs. And everybody's been very, very good about it. And I believe that motor's handling it the right way. I mean, just like if you get a cracked ball by a ball company that you threw for a short time and then it cracked, you get that serial number into your pro shop or in that pro shop op- operator gets it to the distributor with a photo. Once it's verified, you drill a hole through the middle of the serial number, and I do mean a crater, and you drill, it, drill out the serial number. That makes the ball invalid, and you move on. I mean, I don't see where motive did anything uh intentionally they pushed the boundaries and just like any manufacturing there's a tolerance and some of them ended up over the tolerance all right bill well let's move on here and talk about the usbc open championships pattern came out we've been bowling on the shot now for a couple weeks what are your thoughts when the pattern came out how did you think things would play and then has that has your opinion changed at all as we've seen some scores come out we've already had our first 800 in singles looking at it right now we had an 815 it was by robert burris of uh painesville ohio so an 815 already uh, and we're only a couple weeks into the tournament here well it, it's pretty much what we saw last year and here's the thing that i saw last year that's carrying on to this year Repeat your launch angles. And I'm not talking about the one that goes from left to right if you're a right-hander or right to left if you're a left-hander. I'm talking about the ones going north to south, meaning the foul line to the pin. Make sure your launch angle, as far as the height that the ball is traveling onto the lane and the angle that it's traveling onto the lane is consistent. What they've done the last few years or what the pattern has kind of emphasized is you better be clean and laying it down on the lane. If you launch up on it or hit up on it, the ball tends to just react wildly. Some of them skating away, some of them hooking at your feet, and then you get the lovely takeout, the one that actually rolls up pure, and you think you're lined up, and next thing you know, you're not. And what I've seen right now is get the ball down clean. Don't try and grab at it, and make sure that you get get it online, and don't look to bowl on it like you do on a recreational condition or uh, house shot where you just wildly and blindly just throw it to, uh, to the outside part of the lane. You're going to have to be a lot cleaner with it. And if you do, they're very, very, very scorable. Yeah, so I've heard a couple people talking about this off the record where we've been chatting, and they thought they may have gave the righties a little bit of a break this year as opposed to last year where it was it was really tricky. And like you said, even sometimes you kept your launch angles proper and you still had really had a, a, a little bit of an area to hit out there. Do you, do you agree with that sentiment that maybe this year it's a little softer on the right side than it was last year? Well, I think that what, what the pattern has done is, is move the lefties in a little bit more where most lefties don't like to get in. Let's just be honest about that. Uh, and right-handers move in a little bit further to the outside so they've got a little bit more angle to the pocket and they can break them down a, a little bit more parallel on the lane compared to last year. And that definitely gives a little bit, little bit more of an advantage to the right-handers as long as the right-handers work together. If you're if you've got a team that's spraying it all over the lane, uh, it's really not going to matter what's going on because you're just going to break them down the wrong way. 
Yeah, so that would probably be, I guess, in reading between the lines, a key that you would have for teams this year. But what's a key for someone coming out in doubles and singles? You know, now you, you do get a few practice balls on each lane, so there's there's that addition to things. But what would be a key for doubles and singles for you as you come out? Because, you know, that's kind of one of the things that, you know, like I said, it takes some guys, it takes, you know, four or five frames to warm up when you're, you're halfway through your first game. Well, the same thing would be, I would go out there with my surfaces prepared, and working with, you know, not overly dull bowling balls, which I have not seen on any of the telecasts, nor have I seen anybody really talking about using a 180 grid or anything like that, because you don't have enough time to break them down like that. This is a one player trying to basically salvage yourself, other than for the doubles. But as long as you've got your players on that pair working together, you can start opening them up a little bit. But again, it's going to be the launch angles. Don't look for a, uh, a large arc. Keep it pure, keep it simple, and try and play as much as, as a straighter path as you can with a minimal ball motion on the back end. A couple guys I'm seeing from your neck of the woods are in the Las Vegas and Las Vegas metro area there. Jake Peters had a very good uh, set here in doubles I'm seeing, and also Eric Forkel. Have you had a chance to chat with either of those guys or know of anyone who did talk to those guys and what they were seeing when they, uh, they were up there in Reno? Uh, well, I see Eric this week, and I haven't seen him yet, but uh, I understand he had a pretty good week. And he's another player that likes to lay it down early, likes to get a clean motion on the back, no big jump, and he does, definitely knows how to control the middle of the lane. And that's really what I see on the left, is you're going to have to be able to control the mid lane. And on the right, you're going to have to be able to launch it through the head because of the amount of play. You're going to have to be able to get through the heads very clean so that you can read the back, proper motion on the back end of the landing. And really right now, that's really all that's out because I haven't seen it or it's not been enough weeks. But I'll see Eric this week, and I'll let you know even more of what I find out. Awesome. Well, before we go here, Bill, got to talk about a few things. Number one, if you're looking for some action in your league play, now you're down there at Texas Station. But if you're looking for some action, check out RollTechBowling.com. Right now, if you use the promo code ABOVE180, you're going to get a $10 bonus when you uh, first deposit to uh, Roll Tech Bowling, but check them out. You can turn your league scores into cash. You know, I was doing that. It's a great way to add some uh, excitement into your bowling when you're bowling, so make sure you check out Action Bowling on Roll Tech Bowling on the app. Very simple to download. Um, so, Bill, I guess a couple questions also I'd like to hit with you. So then, I guess, when you're talking about equipment here for Nationals, usually people think, oh, we need the balls with the big motors and the, you know, the, the real strong hooking pieces for Nationals. It doesn't sound like last year that was what people needed, and it sounds like it's kind of on the same mode this year. You're not going to need that big motor and that uh, equipment. No, it looks like it's you know more of a uh, put it back into the older times or older shot making where it's more of a stroker or keep control of it. You don't need the big ball motion because you don't have that much margin of error on the lanes. Normally, the bigger the ball, the motor in the ball, the bigger the surface. In most cases, not all, but it means that you have a bigger margin of error on the lane to play with to allow these these motors and these cover stops to work. doesn't seem like we're going to have that again this year. And uh, actually, hopefully, if I can get uh, my ankle to heal up, I'll, I'll be bowling this year myself. Hey, Bill, I do want to remind folks, check out BowlingThisMonth.com bowling's best and most complete technical resource right now checking out the website i'm seeing a pwba round table still got the ball reviews i know if you're looking to head out to reno for the usbc open championship like we're talking here 
Check out the ball reviews before so you get something in your bag that's going to work possibly out there. Also, some great pieces now I'm seeing by Joe Slowinski. Also seeing uh, Susie Minshew has a great piece up there called Spearmeister Part 1. Again, want to remind you, check out bowlingthismonth.com. It's bowling's best and most complete technical resource. Check it out on the web, bowlingthismonth.com. One of the other things, but I want to get your take on this. A lot of times, we don't. Uh, one of the we don't see the asymmetric bowling balls work well at at a tournament like this, just because of the way the lanes are constantly transitioning. Is that the same this year? And I guess tell tell people and tell even you know even help remind us why that is. Where you know an asymmetric piece may not be the best when you're going to Reno, where you probably have to fly. You're taking a limited arsenal, maybe five, six, or eight bowling balls, and you kind of have to go with that versatile stuff as opposed to something that might only last you for a, a half game or something. Well, asymmetricals tend to be because they are so motor driven. Basically, the cords are so dominant that you know here's this my take on them, they either work for you or they don't. And when you're going, and especially traveling, as you mentioned, uh, a long distance, you want to bring things that you can depend upon. So you want to make sure that you bring things that you can manipulate the surface of the bowling, bowling ball and not actually have, the, have it work against you. What I've seen with asymmetricals, not all of them, but, you know, if you're going to carry uh, asymmetrical, carry one. You have the option of drilling up something there. But, you know, again, with for me, when I look at asymmetricals, for most people, they either work or they don't. And with the amount of time you have to uh, lock in scoring in, in this type of environment at the USBC, the more, the more simple you can keep it, the better off you are. And it keeps you from second-guessing on the approach, and that's a huge advantage. I know one of, uh, one of our uh, friends that we both share was Chris Warren, and he always said, when you get up on that approach, you go. You, you can't, your thinking is done behind, behind. Once you step on that approach, you need to know what you're doing before you throw that ball because the minute you're up there thinking, you've already defeated, <laughs> you're already in trouble when you're, you're thinking too much up there on that approach. Absolutely. And when you, do, when you watch the very best, Basically, and when I watch them, I, because I'm coaching and that's what I mainly do for a living, is when I'm watching them, I do a count in my head. And for most of them, I go 1-1000, 2-1000, and by the time I finish 2-1000, they're on their way. Awesome stuff. So I guess, and would would it be good a good tip for bowlers if you went last year and maybe you didn't score as much as as well as you'd have anticipated or you'd have wanted to? Is it a good rule of thumb to probably leave that equipment that you used last year at home from El Paso and, and say, you know what, I, I almost need kind of sans a spare ball. I almost need a whole new, whole new arsenal. Or do you have to really go back and reflect? Did you really throw, you know, were you playing the right part of the lane? And, and you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek here, but it's almost like if you struggled last year, you may want to rethink what you're, uh, you're going to be bringing with you this year. Well, absolutely. It should be a combination. I mean, you know, uh the problem is when you're on a house condition, one basically 100% of the bowlers bowl out of house condition. And, you know, people have to realize it's for recreation. It's not a test of ability. It's for having fun. But when you're bowling on something that's more demanding of the player and you have to be able to focus and know what your physical strengths are, and one thing that you have to know also is what your physical weakness in your game is. And when you're at a tournament such as the USBC, play to your strengths. As far as your equipment, you know, for me, I wouldn't bring 
everything that I would need. I'd bring a few and then build up to what I see that I need at the tournament because you've got plenty of great people that uh, can help you out there that work in the shops. Great. Uh, final question for you, Bill. We just had a new install of the lanes and the beds up at the stadium for the World Series of Bowling. I was up there, watched a lot of the lefties have successes there. Is that We talked about Eric Forkel looking at his score with a you know 685. Uh, nice set there for singles for Eric, or 684 rather. Nice set for Eric there in, in singles. Is that something that, you know, kind of no matter what the house is going to put out, what the stadium, which has always kind of played a little bit, uh, you, you know, the lefties have always had really good success there. Is that something that's going to probably never change in all honesty, just the topography of the house? Uh, it just doesn't change. I mean, some houses just have a certain characteristic, and you have to play that characteristic. And, you know what, right now it tends to, no matter what they do on the left side up there, the lefties always find a way to take advantage of the topography. It's part of what's there. It's not something to worry about. What's better to worry about is you get out there and make the best shots possible. And, Bill, before we go, I have to remind folks, as you get ready to prepare your trip for Reno, check out NuggetCasinoResort.com. Great place, great sponsor of Above180.com. They're sponsoring the BTM and InsideBowling.com updates. So check them out. 1,400 rooms, got a Gillies. We all know the Gillies from Vegas. They got a Gillies up there. Free airport shuttle. They're five minutes from the conventions that are downtown, and more importantly, also five minutes from Coconut Bowl, where Rick is hosting his tournament, the BTM and the InsideBowling.com. So check them out. If you use promo code GAB180, you're going to get the rate of $45 during the week, $68 on the weekend. That includes a resort fee, so there's no hidden fees. $45.68, that's what you're going to pay. Use promo code GAB180. Make sure you check them out. they got free Wi-Fi. And also, you're going to get a free $10 food credit per stay, per person, and two free drink coupons per person, per stay. So check all that out. That's, again, at the NuggetCasinoResort.com. All the best of luck, Bill. If you do get back out there on the lanes, we'd love to hear how you did. And also keep us informed. And maybe we'll do maybe a, a mid-tournament update with you as well just to hear how uh, hear what your thoughts are as more bowlers get going out there as we head into the end part of this month and into April and March. We're, or April and May, rather, we'll have all sorts of bowlers. And the squads will be a little more full. And you see the quantity and quality of bowlers increase out there. So uh, thanks for that info, and Bill, and we'd love to have you back on. It'd be my pleasure to make it back on. Just let me know when we want to do it.